Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Welcome into the Saints Wire podcast, and thanks for joining us. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. We appreciate you all. John, I am seeking professional help this week because I have no idea how the Saints lost this game to the Giants. I was about as confident in the Saints winning straight up as I was about any team this past week. I took the Saints in my survivor pool, so I'm in a very bad mood coming into the show this week. Uh, but considering the situation, up 11 at home, fourth quarter, midway through the fourth quarter, right? I mean, this has Seven to, minutes left. Oh, unbelievable. I mean, this has to be the worst regular season loss for the Saints I can remember in the last couple of years. I mean, maybe that Eagles game last year, but at least you got your backup quarterback and you're on the road, right? I mean, this one at home, given the situation... You know, the first home game. Of first home game in over 600 days yeah, in, front yeah. of a, in front of a full audience. Man, it, 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 was, it was a heartbreaker, man. It was tough. I haven't been coping well. I, I've been looking at box drafts now. The season's over. Yeah, if a terrible team like the Giants can roll you over, I just don't, I just don't have any – I just have no faith. I, I, I'm crushed. So – uh, so say, say it's a that's where John is. I'm yeah. done now. Yes, I'm locked in. Let, let, let's move on. Yeah, it's been painful. <laughs> I mean, I mean, week one, they play out of this world better than anyone could have expected. Week two, they lay an egg. Week three, they look pretty good against the Patriots. Week four, I guess, at least in that fourth quarter, they lay an egg. So it's like, what team do we hey, even have? So, hey, it sounds like they can only win on odd weeks. So it's a good <laughs> thing it's a 17-game season now, so we will finish with a winning record at 9-8. That's a good so point, yeah. I'll and, take that. And look I'll out, take that. Look out Washington football team this week. Um, That's right. That's right. So I was, you know, just upset, John, mostly because of my survivor pool pick. Uh, but anyway, I was upset kind of devouring your post-game content, came across your article on Saintswire with the headline, what will it take for Sean Payton to trust his quarterback? And I'm like, oh, this will be good. This will be good eating. Let me get into this. Um, so some fascinating stuff that you write about here. Uh, Winston totaling just four pass attempts in the fourth quarter. So Sean Payton essentially taking the game out of his hands, trying to run out the clock behind Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara, just like he did against the Patriots. Um, didn't exactly work because the Giants have more weapons in the Patriots and a, and a quarterback that's a little bit further along in his development in Daniel Jones. He's playing better football than Mac Jones. I think we can all agree on that. And for me, my take on this is like, you look at the Giants on their defensive side. I mean, their number one problem right now, and they've got plenty of problems. Their number one problem is they can't rush the passer. No pass rush. Jameis Winston was hardly touched in this game. I don't think the Giants were even credited with a pressure, not, not, let alone a sack or a QB hit. I don't think the Giants were credited with a QB pressure. So, I mean, if the situation right there isn't screaming to give your quarterback a chance to put the game out of reach and to get some first downs and run out the clock, I mean, I don't know what other situation is, right? You're playing the Giants, a team that cannot get after the passer, and you're exactly right with this article. I thought you hit the nail on the head. Peyton completely took the ball out of Jameis Winston's hands, tried to run out the clock, and it didn't work. No, it was really disappointing because that strategy did work just a week ago. Uh, what had happened was uh, that, that works when you're up by eight points. It doesn't work when you're only up by three. And when you go from being up by 11 to three in one drive and you don't change your approach, then, I mean, you, you've got to question it, you know. We, we, we've got to arm, our armchair quarterback this thing. So my issue here is that I would like to see them be more aggressive in, in, in that 
uh, situation. So when I say that Sean Payton doesn't seem to trust Jameis Winston, that's not like a play call thing where, you know, they're cutting routes off short. They're not, they're not giving him opportunities to go make a play. That, that, that's not the thing. That's not the, the problem here. The issue is that in, when you're in a must win situation like this, where you've got to convert a first down on say, you know, fourth and three earlier in the game where you, Apparently, you hand that off to Alvin Kamara on a stretch run to the sideline instead. That didn't work. Uh, that's an opportunity where Jameis should be trying, you know, a slant route to someone, or he should be able to, you know, have the green light to uh, throw for a first down there. I mean, it, the Saints were not generally running very well. Kamara did have his best day as a runner, probably, but in, in a fourth and three situation like that, I, I don't like the decision to run. That, that should be a, a Jameis throw. Later in the game, he had the Taysom Hill ill-fated uh, interception. He doesn't get his feet set. One of his feet slips. The, the ball ball comes up short, and it gets picked off. Uh, that, that's another example where you know Sean Payton is getting too cute with it, maybe, or he, he just for some reason decides that Taysom you know needs to continue trying to throw, even though he can't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then we have that in, then we have that in, end of game sequence. Uh, the, you go run, 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 delay of game penalty and they're only up by three and it, it, it ultimately costs the Saints this football game and so at some point we've got to see some of these bigger picture situations develop so that Winston is given a chance to go win the, win the game and to uh, put down the dagger and put, put an opponent away and so far we have not seen that nearly often enough and it really makes me question what what more he has to do to win Peyton's trust. Of course, we're having a completely different podcast. I'm in a much better mood, and my survivor pick survives if the Kenny Stills dagger doesn't get negated by that Adam Troutman penalty, right? And so we're we're having a completely oh. different show because that was the dagger, John. Right? This article yeah. you wrote about Winston doesn't exist if the Kenny Stills touchdown pass is uh it stands and is like you know not negated. So you know, we could do that probably every week oh. though. You know, we could do that. What if? Yeah, what no, if, no. What if. yeah man. We, we uh, work for Marvel now. I guess asking what if. I mean. <laughs> Gosh, but, that was tough. Yeah, you know, and it, 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 it was so tough. And you know, it's a long season. We've got a long time to sort this out. To for for Peyton and Winston to really develop that that tighter chemistry, for them to give them maybe a longer leash. Um, but right now, I just I just oh, it, it, it's so frustrating. It's so disappointing. But you know, it, it is what it is. It's in review now. We got to look. We got to look at forwards to week five. No doubt. And I loved that you brought this up, the delay of game, that random delay of game. And uh, I remember watching the game, speaking out loud to my TV, being like, what are they doing? Why are they taking the penalty? Why didn't they call a timeout? Why? Why? What's going on? You know, 43 yard line. You just ran it on first out. It's second and nine. And they let the play clock run out. And now it's second and 14. And you just knew in that moment that they were in trouble. Right, John? Like, that's the part. And you wrote about it in your post game. You said it was over when this delay game hit. And I felt the same way watching it live. I loved your commentary on it because it was like, oh, no, now it's second and 14. They can't just run the ball and get a first down. Oh, oh no. Like, you just knew it was coming. They throw the incompletion on third down. And now all of a sudden, you're getting ready to punt. The Giants have a couple timeouts, plenty of time. And they've been moving the ball. And you just knew, oh, no, this is this is a real problem all of a sudden. Um, that is a huge second guess. Like, how did they let that delay of game penalty uh, happened. Why didn't they call a timeout? Like I still, I'm still scratching my head on how they took five yards there. Man, I just don't know. It, it was either Winston be, getting relaying the play call in too slowly, or Sean Payton getting too lackadaisical with it. Ne- neither one of them were really interested in pointing blame to the other. Their, their post game, so that, that's going to be one of these unsolved mysteries for a while, I think. But it's just 
you would like to see cleaner execution in an end of game sequence like that, where there, there's no confusion. There, there, you're rapidly getting the play call in. You're rapidly executing. You're not taking it down to the wire. I understand they're trying to run out the clock at that point. They they had three runs in a row up until that that down. But again, that, that kind of goes back to you. You want to see the Saints be more aggressive there. You know, you want to see them continuing to stress the Washington defense through, through the air. Uh, it's just. It's, it's just poor execution, and I think it's something that we're, we're missing from Drew Brees being the quarterback because that, that's not a situation that happened very often with him where he, he knew he knew the playbook in, inside and out. John Payton knew exactly what tendencies he liked in that situation. Uh, there was no con- little to no confusion. It, they probably call a cleaner drive and avoid that penalty and you know potentially put, put this game away as they did a week earlier. So it's just sloppy execution. is something they've got to work on. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so curious. You know, we're, we're you know we're four games into the season. They had all of training camp to work together to get on the same page, and it's still a very slow developing relationship. It seems. All right, so we're a little salty, often running on the Saints Wire podcast, but a little salty after a loss to the Giants at home, John. Right? We didn't see that one coming. You know, another thing to nitpick in this one, yeah, the uh, Giants didn't get a lot of pressure on the Saints, but the Saints defense didn't get a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones either. weren't able to sack him in this game. Uh, so let's talk about the defense of that side of the football. We'll do it coming up next. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Hello, Fantasy Faithful. Welcome to Week 5 of the Fantasy Football Season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong play. Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins versus the Detroit Lions. While statistically this actually ranks as just the 20th best matchup for quarterbacks, much of that is due to facing San Francisco and Chicago. Detroit gave up over 24 fantasy points to Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers, and Cousins should benefit from a healthier Dalvin Cook to keep the defense focused off of the passing attack. Also working in his favor, Detroit lost arguably its best pass rusher this past week, and Kirk Cousins has gone for three touchdowns or more in three of his last four games versus the Lions. Atlanta Falcons running back Mike Davis versus the New York Jets. Cordero Patterson has received all of the hype, and rightfully so, but Davis has managed to remain a weekly play. It hasn't been pretty, and he hasn't been explosive. But what better time to bring in a Jets defense that has given up 111.8 rushing yards per game, that's the seventh most, eight catches, the second most, and 72 yards to the air, also the second most, to the running back position. One in every 22.2 touches by RBs have made it into the end zone. Miami Dolphins wide receiver Jalen Waddle at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We could see tons of short passes to Waddle against Tampa Bay if the Buccaneers can pressure Jacoby Brissett heavily. Last week, we saw signs of the Buccaneers' pass rush coming to life. In week four, Waddle saw only four targets, but he had 12 passes come his way the prior week against a very capable Las Vegas pass rush. More pressure could equal shorter passes to get the ball out of the hands faster for Jacoby Brissett. No Will Fuller also means more work for Jalen Waddle. Despite all of Tampa's injuries in the secondary, the existing personnel actually matches up fairly well with the wide receivers from Miami. Look for Waddle to be used as a quasi-running back in this game. Cincinnati Bengals tight end C.J. Ozoma against the Green Bay Packers. He was a two-touchdown performer last week and has only a minor role, but he gets a chance to show it wasn't a fluke against a defense that has allowed averages of over six catches a game, 56 yards per game, and a touchdown every eight and a quarter catches to the position. This is the number seven overall matchup in PPR, number eight in standard scoring, and Green Bay's secondary and linebacking core will really be scraping at the bottom of the barrel to provide adequate depth after several injuries in both layers. While there's a lot of fluidity about the personnel situation, what is static? Green Bay stinks at guarding tight ends. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please check out the award-winning huddle.com. 
That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with the huddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, John, as I said, the uh, Saints unable to sack Daniel Jones in this one, which is a little disappointing. And the folks out in New York, I mean, they're lauding Andrew Thomas as their new franchise left tackle after he was blocking the Saints all up, you know, in this one. You know, Giants fans, they were ready to pack his bag, ship him out of town before the season started. But now they're sitting there wagging their finger being like, hey, how do you guys... How do you guys feel about our number four overall pick? Uh, yeah, we, we got this one right. So I, I love all the Andrew Thomas chatter after this game. Like, that seemed like it's all over the place on social media. Yeah, and, you know, for the Saints to have invested as much as they have in, in their pass rushing unit, to, to get so little production out of it, it's, pretty, it's very disappointing. Um, Cameron Jordan is rushing off the, off the, the uh, left-in spot against the right tackle predominantly. He's getting a lot of pressures, but he's not finishing these sacks. And this is the second year in a row he's had these, this trouble. And that's very concerning. And then you look at who's rushing against Thomas for a tackle, and it mainly is Peyton Turner, uh, their rookie first-round pick. He has played pretty well up to this point. He, he's taken some lumps. Uh, he had a couple pressures, but again, he is also not finishing these the sacks. And if he gets injured on one of the final drives of the game, he has to go out. They're already without Marcus Stavenport on injured reserve. And it's just, man, it's, it's not a good look when Tono Passignon, who was not resigned by the team that drafted him, uh, is your best pass rusher. <laughs> and right now, he, he's yep. probably making the most impactful plays out of that group. And it, it's just a really disappointing return on those investments. And you, you've got to kind of wonder what, what's next for some of these guys. Yeah, I want I, you wrote an article about Cam Jordan, John. And I want to get your um, your thought. Like, I'm wondering what the fans' reactions to this article was because it was interesting. And you, and you basically said, like, you know, headline, like it or not, Saints are riding the downslope of Cam Jordan's career. And it's just that, right? Lots of snaps, lots of QB pressures, but we're not seeing the sacks. We're seeing probably the wear and tear of 10 NFL seasons, a guy that's been playing a ton of snaps, even on special teams, and how the Saints might have to make a decision with him this summer, right? Because, you know, he's the price tag he's going to carry at, what, $22.5 million against the cap, um, entering a th- age 33 season is probably not going to be a, a, a great spot to be if you're the Saints. Yeah, man. The, my, my, my cat is very alarmed. You probably hear her in the background crying <laughs> about that. I was wondering um, what she, that was. Yeah. $22.5 million. Cameron Jordan, no, no sacks in the last 13 games? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. L- L- little Luna here is very alarmed by this. Uh, yeah, so you know, I hate doing this. You know, I feel like if a guy signs a contract, the team should honor that to, to its conclusion. That, that's just not happening in the NFL. But that, that's... They, they, they are uh, pinching their pennies too tightly for, for that to happen. Um, and so when you look at a, you know, a price versus performance issue with, with Cam Jordan, uh, it's really going to come to a head next summer when he has this huge salary cap hit. Uh, he, he'll be 33, and he is, he, he's kind of regressed to where he was earlier in his career. Where He, he was a very good run defender. Uh, he was getting a lot of pressures, not getting a lot of sacks. And I think we should expect that. I mean, the guy has probably already crossed 10,000 snaps played in his NFL career. That, that's only tracked publicly back in 2011 at Pro Football Reference and Pro Football Focus. He has never missed a game. He has played every playoff game the Saints have had, played through, played through a number of injuries. So it really shouldn't surprise anyone that he's starting to slow down. 
Now, that's not the same thing as being critical of his, of his performance. And we just have to kind of keep in mind some, some context here. So and I see guys say that, oh, well, uh, Von Miller was in the same draft class. He's had some injuries. He's still making plays. And it's like, well, Cam Jordan never was Von Miller to begin with. And that's not a very fair comparison. So, you know, Cam, you know, as great as he's been for such a long time, as important as he is to the team as a, as a leader, it's just starting to feel like this may be his swan song this year. Like he, he, may, he may not be long for New Orleans. That's been broadcast in the same uh, draft strategy. You know, they, they drafted a defensive end in the first round twice in the last uh, what, three, four years now, uh, 2018 and 2021. So th- they've made plans to move on from him when the time comes, uh, if, if that ends up happening. So I'm not all the way out on Cam. He, he's been one of my favorite players for a long time. I'm, I've given him a long, a long uh, lease leash, I guess, yep. before writing him off, calling him washed or anything like that. And, and they've still got a dozen games to play. So he, he at least, you know, hopefully more in the playoffs. But he, he's got a dozen more games to rack up some sacks, prove that he's still a difference maker. And hopefully he and the Saints can work out something, whether it's a, an extension or another restructure next summer to keep him in black and gold for his whole career. But, you know, as I said on the site, um, on Faithwire, we are very much on the downslope of his career. And we kind of have to make peace with that and kind of keep an eye on what may be coming coming next down the pipeline. Yeah, it's a great read on Saints Wire. Everyone should check that out, Saints fans. I mean, it's kind of saying Saints fans should... He's a fan favorite, Cam Hayward. And uh, obviously, we got to start thinking about... Okay, I'm sorry. Did I call him Cam Hayward? Freaking Steelers. <laughs> you did. Which you did. Hey, hey, that's okay. Because, you know, Saints fans would love them for Cam Hayward. I didn't, I didn't yeah, do that. Ironhead, <laughs> Ironhead Hayward is a Saints legend. Uh, we, we all would have loved to see, see, see the younger Hayward come to New Orleans. I didn't do that when I asked you. I didn't do that when I asked the original question, did I? No, no, okay. no, no. Okay, yeah, you're okay, good. good. You're in the clear. All right, John. So let's let's move on to the kicker, shall we? So, um, you know, as the team is up and down, uh, it's never good to have a kicker you can't rely on in the NFL. I think I think we're learning that the uh, replacement kicker, Aldrich Rosas, who we've actually we've actually spent some time on this guy. Um, he's been released. The Saints have signed uh, another crappy kicker in Cody Parkey. I shouldn't say that, right? He just got double here, doink. Yeah, the double doink. Uh, double so doink, man. We, would, we would love Will Lutz to be back from this uh, groin muscle surgery, which when you say that doesn't sound like that's a very comfortable injury for a kicker. So I don't know, like Will Lutz, how close he is to returning. But Cody Parkey, man, like for him. Yeah. I mean, the double doink is is what he's most famous for. I remember him most for being like a really bad kicker on some really bad Browns teams back in the day. So I don't know if I feel any better about Cody Parkey, but I, I just guess this is all to say, like, this is life when your your actual kicker is injured and you have to go out and try to find somebody. This is not a good life to be in, right? This is not a good life to live. It is not a happy space. It is not my happy place. Um, but, you know, that that's what it is. And it, it kind of recalls um, the years in the wilderness of St. Smith. It's been uh, Garrett Hartley back around the Super Bowl run all the way up until they got Will Lutz in uh, 2016. They, <laughs> they, they had a number of... Uh, they had a whole rogues gallery of different kickers coming in each week. It seemed like, yeah. um, you know, we had, had the summer of Shane Graham. That was a thing. Uh, you know, before before left that side, the Saints had two different kickers in training camp. Ended up cutting both of them uh, before they acquired Lutz. So uh, we're, we're we're no strangers to to this roller coaster, this this carousel. It's it's just really frustrating that the Saints stuck with Rosas for so long when they knew he wasn't the guy. Um, his very first game, the preseason game with Jacksonville, he misses a field goal. He misses an extra point. That's even worse. He, he boxes the extra point, pushes it wide left. Uh, he, we come into the season. Uh, he only makes one of his four field goal tries from various ranges, including a couple of gimmies. Man, it was frustrating. 
and the Saints just didn't really show a line any sort of you know alarm or you know energy or even interest in doing something about it. Uh, they they went 46 days between signing Rosas to his final miss um, this past weekend against New York uh, before they brought anybody in. That's a month and a half to watch this guy struggle in practice every day, watch him struggle on game days, cost you games potentially, if we want to put that much blame on him, uh, to do nothing about it. And th- that that's just – gosh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost speechless there because for a coach like Sean Payton who is known to be so aggressive, so on top of things, just let this fester and neglect this problem for so long, it's just, just so disappointing. Uh, hopefully Cody Parkey can see us through for a week or two. Uh, the good news is that – Will Lutz is eligible to return from injured reserve at any in, as soon as he gets the, the green light from the, from the training staff. So far, he's just still continuing to recover and rehab that uh, core muscle surgery he had earlier this summer. So, hopefully, he can join us after the bye week. Yeah, hopefully, it be- seems like Parkey's going to be going to be the guy here in week five. Yeah, and, and Rosas. I mean, he was hitting some like knuckleballs in that game in Foxborough against the Patriots. I was like, holy crap! It's like a boomerang going up the, going up the field. There's something not right with that ball coming <laughs> off his foot. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but, you know, things can only get better against the Washington football team. Right, John? You know, it's like, you know, this is the odd part of the schedule, right? Week five. So things can only get better against the Washington football team. So let's get into that matchup and talk about the spread and make a pick. We'll do it all coming up next. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of Bet7 Podcast and SportsbookWire.com here with my colleague Jeff Clark to break down the Week 5 Sunday night football matchup between the Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are two-and-a-half-point home favorites, minus 122 odds. The Bills, plus 2.5, minus 102. I'm really on the Chiefs here. They've had the much tougher schedule of the Bills. I think the Bills might be a little bit too used to playing cupcake opponents. And the Chiefs handled the Bills twice last season, including the AFC Championship game. This is a very manageable number for them. They're in the thick, or they're in the bottom of the AFC West. They need to start piling up the wins. The Bills are in cruise control atop the AFC East. Give me Kansas City. Jeff? Yeah, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills, plus two and a half. Speaking of cupcake schedules, the Bills definitely play a cupcake schedule, but I don't think they're going to play an easier defense all season, the Kansas City Chiefs. They have more balance. They're better on both sides of the ball. Uh, they got a higher EPA differential, and I'm going to go with the Bills plus two and a half, and might even sprinkle a little bit on the dog's money line here. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with the huddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at typical sportsbook. For a limited time, new typical sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typical.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-522. 4700 in Colorado. All right, Saints, two and a half point road favorites, John, against the Washington football team. We were hoping to get some some guys back from the IR this week, right? We were we were talking like six guys were eligible to return, maybe some relief there, get some get some help, but none have been designated as we started talking here. So maybe no help coming against the Washington football team. So I guess we gotta figure out how much help we really need. <laughs> how dangerous is this Washington football team on the road? Tyler Heineke is frisky. They, they, they've got Gary Terry McCord and that wide receiver. Uh, Ron Rivera knows the Saints very well. He, he fielded a number of very good 
Panthers defenses against them. He knows Sean Payton's offense. He knows Jameis Winston. I think this is going to be a challenging game for them. You know, two and a half, that feels pretty realistic to me. And, you know, after, again, after losing to an 0-3 Giants team, you can't take anything for granted, and you can't expect the Saints to go in and just walk all over these guys. No, I think Washington's a better football team than the Giants. Uh, you know, but the thing with Washington... A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the thing with Washington is this was supposed to be one of the most feared defensive fronts in the league, right? And so far, not so much at all. Like that has not come to fruition. I mean, they're 29th in yards allowed. They're 30th in points allowed per game. They're giving up over 30 points per game uh, this season. So Washington is not this feared defensive team, but they're really good on offense. Like Taylor Heineke, he is frisky. He's very good. And Terry McLaurin, like I'm signing up to watch him play whenever I can, whenever the Washington football teams on like a Thursday night or whatever, if they're on TV, I'm watching. I want to see Terry McLaurin. He's an awesome player. They got two good backs, Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick. Like, they got some weapons, uh, Washington does. They can score. So, really, I mean, Washington scoring a lot of points. They're also giving up a lot of points, John. So, they've been an interesting team. Uh, so, one thing I look at is the total, 43.5 on the Tipico Sportsbook app since we started talking. But this has been moving all around. I think we both had different numbers in our notes. Uh, the, the line is right now at 43.5. And, and the total has averaged... 62.3 points per game in Washington's last three. So if you combine their total with their opponents, 62.3 is the average for Washington. So they're scoring a lot of points. They're giving up a lot of points. The question is whether the Saints let that fly, right? I, maybe the Saints aren't going to be into that kind of game. I think the Saints could easily drag this thing down and make it their style. They're kind of their low scoring kind of deal. And that's my big question, right? Like Washington, they would love to play this game in the low 60s. The Saints, they're more down in the 40s. That's kind of where they want to play. So which team can dictate it better, right? I mean, you hope it's the Saints, but you're not sure. If we get into a high-flying shootout, maybe we're playing Washington's game. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting matchup. I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick may have given whatever, like, lucky medallion. He, he won in a contest with a fairy 40 years ago to Taylor Heineke, so he can just go out there and make plays anytime <laughs> he feels like it. They, they can really dictate the terms. Uh, part of that is because they have a very, very good offensive line. Even, even having moved on from Trip Williams a couple of years ago, um, that that will be interesting because Brandon Sheriff wound up on the injury report. He, he's their best player up front, so you would you would think that if they're not at full strength, that maybe the Saints can you know dictate the terms in the trenches and, and, and kind of force Washington into playing solid football that they they're really not built for that they don't want to do. So um, I, I am inclined to take the over here. While I think it's going to be pretty close, uh, I do think both teams are going to kind of score points at will, uh, potentially. You know, I, I like what Washington has up front. I, I'm not that high on their secondary, on the linebacker situation. Um, I think the Saints can take advantage of that. And I think I think Sean Payton might feel, you know, a little frisky this week. You know, he, he just got embarrassed at, at home uh, against a team that, you know, he, he once worked for, that, that he really made his name with. And so maybe he looks to make a statement um, going into the bye week and go out and impress some impress some some, uh, some observers, some fans, get, get them back in, on his side and go into the bye week with a win. So I'll, I'll take the Saints. I'll take the over. I just don't think it's going to be a very lopsided victory. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there definitely could be some points scored. Washington's going to be a tough team just to hold down. Um, 43 and a half. Number seems to be going down. Um, so we'll see how far go, down it goes. But Low 40s. I, th- I definitely think like the overs in play. I also like the money line minus 135 on the Saints. Seems like there could be some value there 
as well. So if you're looking to get frisky with Sean Payton and pick the Saints, put a little money on the Saints, we got to hope that they bounce back. John, we can't lose back-to-back games to the NFC East that fall to two and three, right? So it's just like they have to win. Oh gosh, I mean, you know that, that would really sting for me as someone who has been, you know, trash talking the NFC East for uh, about almost three decades now. Um, it, it would be really disappointing to see the Saints kind of fall on their faces like that. So I'll, I'll say this: it, it's what I've been saying all, all year. The Saints are talented enough to beat any team anywhere on any given Sunday in this league. The, 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 there's no team that I look at and say, "Oh, the Saints cannot beat them under the right circumstances." The question here is that they're so such a volatile team that they could also lose to anybody, including an own three Giants team or a I think I think the the football team is two and two right now, I believe. Yep. Um. So yeah, yeah. So this can go either way. I'll, I'll pull for a Saints uh, comeback here, a, a return to form, if you will. And I, I think they got. I think they can win this. I hope so. I still haven't forgiven them for losing to the Giants and. Losing my survivor pool, John. So I hope they, they got to bounce back. Uh, but hey, everybody, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Again, hit subscribe if you could. Tell a friend. Leave us a review. All that's good jazz. Uh, enjoy some football this weekend. John and I will be back next time. We'll talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.